What's up? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight. We are coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm Caleb Pearson. Joining me again, my lovely host, Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, Thank you. good. Good to see you. I feel like it's been a couple weeks. Yeah, it's been a couple we weeks. We have our new podcast host rotation, so yes. I don't get to see you every week, but now I don't have to look at Mark Francis for 30 minutes. You know what I mean? There's, there's a trade-off. Switching it up. <laughs> um, joining us once again, senior pastor Mark Carey. Marky Mark, how you doing, my man? Lovely. Yeah? Hanging in there? Lovely. Right, that, it was lovely. Alicia, and it was just senior. Oh pastor. yeah, no, she gets the adjective. You're just, oh, you know, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm fine then. At first, I thought you were saying you were doing lovely. I was well, like, man, I, that's I endearing. Was, that's I was cool. Saying that. <laughs> you not anymore, but you were, you <laughs> were lovely. True. But cool, cool. Well, we're back, guys. Um, I want to do a Sunday in review, kind of unpack the weekend. Uh, Romans six. There's a lot there. So, uh, Alicia, I'm going to come your way first. Just thoughts on the weekend, um, and maybe what even what service you were at, and what what you're able to to focus in on. Okay, so, well, we've been going to the FSAT services, uh, which is a little different because we're, we're normally F3ers, um, but switching up so going to switched. FSATs. you switched? Yeah. <gasps> at, I have well, so many questions for you. Temporarily, temporarily, oh, but okay. anyway, uh, one highlight to the FSAT services is the guys who lead worship there. Mm. We really like them. We haven't been able to see them a whole lot in the F3, and uh, so it's been good to experience worship with them. Um, but yeah, so this sermon was hmm. fantastic. And uh, just the images of being in Adam and in Christ were really visual and helpful and hmm. um, knowing that we are either spiritually dead or we are spiritually alive. And if we're spiritually dead, sin is king. And if we're spiritually alive, grace is king. Hmm. That's awesome. And so for our listeners, obviously last week we kind of unpacked, we had a, a large intro to Romans 6, and then Pastor Mark used that a lot this past weekend, that, that visual of in Adam versus in Christ kind of up on the PowerPoint. Was that was that something you, you created and wanted as a visual during your sermon? What was the thought process kind of behind unveiling Romans yeah. 6? Yeah, I think, uh, again, that's what Romans 5 introduces to us, um, either in Adam or in Christ, the two spiritual spheres or realms that everybody falls into. We're either in an Adam or in Christ, and there are there's no in between. And so, yeah, it, I think it helps to visualize that, and and to be able to push that clicker and go, are you in the in Adam, you know, click, or are you in the in Christ? And I mean, it, it just uh, one or the other. One or the other. But, and it's th- it's that simple. Yeah. It doesn't. Why, why doesn't it seem that simple? For, for people. Uh, we talked a while ago on the podcast, Mark, you had said something that stood out to me. Uh, society's more spiritual but least religious than it's ever been. So there's all these realms of spiritual identity or, or who you think you are, but that in Adam, in Christ, and you, you did it back and forth, back and forth. There were even moments where the, the PowerPoint was trying to show you at the pulpit, but you're like, back to the chart and back to yeah, the chart yeah. to just really hammer that picture in. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the greatest deceptions. I think Satan wants to keep us deceived about that. If he can confuse us, he is the great deceiver. So if he can confuse us on, on that and make the issue, every, every, all these other identity issues, uh, and I think he's having a, a heyday. Um, mm. And, you know, the bottom line is the two most important spheres are to know about are in Adam or in Christ, because those are heaven and hell. Those are eternal life and eternal death. Those are... Um, 
experience of abundant life or the experience of, of a tortured existence. Hmm. And so um, we have to start there. And then all the other identities can fit into that. It's not that it's not important to know if, if you know, if, if I'm a, a, a ter- certain personality type. Myers-Briggs. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't want to communicate that other than it seems like oftentimes that's what we focus on to try to find out who we are. Well, it's the first thing. Yep. yep. So let's back up and say, yeah. in uh, Adam or in Christ, and if we're in Christ, well, mm. as we'll see in Romans six, seven, and eight, that's mm. that's really all we need to to understand yeah. and know. Yeah. When I was in, I think ninth or tenth grade, new to high school youth group, before the large group, before the talk, they just handed out index cards and they said, uh, write down mm. the top five things to describe who you are. Nobody put down Christian. Mm. And then it was just a thought exercise. Why didn't you? Well, it didn't come to mind. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but come on, I'm I'm funny, or I'm athletic, or I do this, or I do that. Yeah. And then you realize, oh, okay, it's not that my identity is in those things, but that I think it is. Yeah. Don Denhartog, we had a conversation, our pastor of uh, biblical education, after afterwards. Uh, we'd gone out to eat, um, and he, he said it kind of jarred his thinking once again about even things like, I'm an Iowa Hawkeye, or I'm a Nebraska Cornhusker, <laughs> yeah. and we hold, those things are very, you know, they can be fighting words. I mean, you see yeah. a stadium full of people, and both Don and I have been bemoaning the fact that our teams aren't going to be playing college football. I mean, it's been a real bummer of a week. Mm. And uh, But that's partly because our identity is wrapped up in some form or fashion, even, even like that. Right. right, yeah. I mean, we can put our identity in our career and mm-hmm. our sexual identity uh, in our financial status and our clique of friends, mm. you know, we can, we are easily go to those different uh, places to find our identity. Uh, you said, Mark, Christians often pers- persist in their old identity, in their old habits, in their old way of thinking because they don't fully understand who they are in their new, new identity. One, I think we forget, we just mm-hmm. simply forget to remind ourselves, wait a minute, I'm in Christ. My life looks differently now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's what he said, he's what he said at the beginning of the sermon. Do we know the value of what we already possess? Okay, we have this thing, let's, let's understand it more. And, and, and like you said, Alicia, to your point, that identity is something that is fixed and will always be there. Um, in, in a lot of the time I've spent on uh, figuring out Christian athletes, there's a lot of good YouTube clips or testimonies of a Christian athlete. And you'll notice there are two main things that tend to contribute to a Christian athlete getting a voice. It's either injury, the, the sport, the idol, the time was removed, or it was just straight persecution. I think a lot of Tim Tebow's story is like, nothing bad really happened to me except for the flack I get for being a Christ follower. Right. Who are you when those sports go away? Simeon is a swimmer. What happens if there's no swimming this year, to your point? Like what, I am a Green Bay Packers fan. Not this year I'm not. There are no Packers. There, there's no football anymore. So what am I gonna focus on? What am I gonna draw attention to? And it's, there, there's a passive way we put our identity in something, and I think that's what you speak to, the complicated... Yep. You know, the, the Proverbs says, what a man thinketh in his heart, mm. so is he. Mm. Um, yeah. we, we so oftentimes focus on the so is he. You know, so we, we get upset with people because of their behavior and how they're acting, or, or we put the emphasis on that. But the, really the ma- major issue is, well, what are they thinking? What, what are they thinking mm-hmm. to be true about who God is, right. about who they are? And uh, that's where it starts. So mm. uh, the renewing of the mind, you see all these 
concepts in the New Testament and the calls to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Um, the Christian life is won or lost, you know, right between the years. When a man thinketh to be true about who God is, about themselves, um, A.W. Tozer said, uh, what a man thinks about God is the most important thing about him. And he determines the whole course of his life. Well, that's also true of how we view ourselves. And so that's what I think what Paul is doing here in uh, Romans chapter 6. You know, how shall we who have died to sin, and he's just in chapter 5 explained that we're now in Christ with the reign of life and the reign of grace mm-hmm. and no longer the reign of sin. How shall we have died to sin continue to live in it? And it's still defining those words, right? The, the, the death, the radical separation. Oh, so yeah. ra- my identity is radically separated from sin? How do, I, how do I flesh that out? What does that look like? And, and so you brought up something in your sermon, Mark. It's a question I have for you. Um, you mentioned the, the NIV translation, um, the, that it misses the mark and writes sin at the beginning there of Romans 6 as a verb. Um, but you, the, you had mentioned the original was actually a noun, the, the sin, referring to yeah. that state that we were in. Uh, my question is, how, do, how, does, how does that relate to believing... Uh, that only the original text is inerrant, and, and to a certain degree, are we often being misled by our own Bibles? Is there a translation breakdown that that happens uh, for the yeah, believer? It, it's a good question. It's kind of an aside question, but yeah, um, uh, yeah let, let's not um, impugn our translations. Sure. Praise God for translations. Sure. Jesus used a translation hmm. uh, when he walked this earth, uh, the Septuagint and... and hmm. So, um, yeah, but they're not inspired, and they're written by fallible men, committees who got together and figured out, tried to figure out, you know, what, what, how, how should we put this in the English version, sure. vernacular? Mm-hmm. NIV translation is what's called a dynamic equivalent. So it's it's not a word for word. New American Standard is more of a word for word, more accurate translation, but it can be a little... Harder to digest. Yeah, yeah. and so the NIV was a, okay. a dyna- what's called a dynamic equivalent. New King James is, is at times even, because, and that's another whole topic, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I, last fall I preached on, the, or whenever it was, there was yeah. a sermon on how we got the Bible yeah. and, and yeah, the yeah. transmission of the Bible. But uh, King James is based on some... Uh, ancient Greek texts, um, and the New American Standard Version is based on some other Greek text. So there is a little differences there, but it's they're 99.9%, you know, the same. Well, and the, I think it speaks to the importance of a well-rounded study That's and, right. and really understanding. Grab a few translations. Mm-hmm. Don't yeah. just be. Yeah. Don't just set. You know, right. whatever this says. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't think it was two years ago that the w- Women in Fellowship did a retreat um, at uh, Rosemont. And um, Susan Avery and uh, Lisa Adams, I think, mm. did a whole thing on Bible study and uh, different things and, and, and talked about some of that. We've done that here uh, at various venues. So, yeah, I mean, translations, uh, you know, praise God for them, and we got plenty of them. Uh, but beware, they're, they're just translations, and mm. it's good to read it in different translations and then if you see a conflict a little bit like that verse two and the niv says um you know how shall we sh- shall we keep on sinning mm-hmm. uh that grace may Which abound makes it more of a verb the verbal participial right. kind of phrase like we're sinning right and what he's saying is shall we continue in this 
principle yeah. of being under the reign of sin. So it's dominating our life. So Alicia, is that what's hard for us then? Is is along with what Mark is saying, it's easy for us to to spiritually define words that we need to define literally or, or grammatically for us to understand scripture? Like what what has been your experience in in that? I think I think like what we've been saying here, a well rounded um hmm digging into the scriptures helps bring the truth out and what um you know what is the author saying what what does he mean and how do we apply that to ourselves and Hmm. um when and i appreciate when when whoever is is speaking or preaching is is saying the niv says this the esv says this whatever you might have in front of you here's actually what it says because it does start to connect those dots and paint Mm -hmm. that picture And yeah. you don't lose somebody who might be in that translation. We we come across that all the time, where it's a stumbling block for a little, you know, eighth grader wanting to follow yeah. along. I can't follow along. Your Bible's different than mine. You have yeah. to address. address. You know, I've I've done this multiple times over the years, where I've asked uh, the congregation uh, or in other venues that I've I've taught. Um, how many here have a uh, are using a King James? How many here? Mm. And it typically breaks down to a third. Uh, a third NASB, a third NIV, a third King James, and now you've thrown another, maybe it's a fourth and a fourth and a fourth of the, uh, the ESV mm-hmm. translation. So it's it's pretty it's interesting. So yeah. you have to be, for, for those who teach the Word, you have to be mindful of that. And that, um, because mm-hmm. you might be going, you're obviously teaching from the English text, but you have to realize, hey, their Bible, or a third of them who are using a different translation, mm-hmm. it didn't say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, that's why we have uh, Bible teachers, the gift of teaching. People can delve into that at a different level and can communicate it, um, but it doesn't get every individual believer off the hook right. mm-hmm. of doing their own Bible study. Yeah. That's yeah. really good. And, and you know, like the uh, Acts 17, the noble Bereans, they even took the Apostle Paul and checked him out to see if these things were really so. <laughs> well, believe me, we've got noble Bereans at Fellowship Bible Church who, you know, you know I'm Check sure, out, yeah. I, you know, some people... You know, they go out to eat after church, you know, and, and might have, uh, you know, a steak or grilled chicken. But it, I, I, I think a large part, it's grilled pastor, uh, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, checking yeah. it out. What, 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 what did, did that he, joker what say? What did he say? Yeah. yeah. Did, did you yeah. agree with that? Yeah. I mean, those are conversations we have at yeah. my own family. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily like it yeah. sometimes, but yeah. um, anyway. But we, we fall victim to, oh, okay, we, we still have to find a way to die to the old self. Die to the, we have to put the old Adam to death instead of realizing that's what's already happened. It's already happened. brings up something that came up in, in my mentorship. We, we struggle with this idea of two natures, which is itself an impossibility. You look at the definition of the word nature. It's one organic essence. You can't, you can't have two natures. So, okay, how do we address the flesh the way Paul will, as I'm sure we'll unpack, yeah. helps answer that. Yeah, and as we get into chapter 6 more, I mean, even verse, in a couple of weeks when we get to 12, 13, and 14, there are some commands here. Don't let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Verse 13, uh, um, don't go on presenting the members of your body this way, but present yourself. So there, there, there are things that we not only need to know, but once we know it, and then we have to believe it, right. now we have to experience it by putting into practice right. these mm-hmm. things. Which is that picture of sanctification. Yeah. And, and I, I wrote down in my notes, I asked myself, does my conduct match my faith is that my normal pattern of living is that moving mm. progressively mm-hmm. in growth and maturity am i looking more and more like christ in that process of sanctification and if not why 
In Romans in 6, uh, 17 and 18, Paul says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. And that obedient from the heart jumped out at me and I was like, oh, yes, because the heart is where, like, are we believing and are we obeying from the heart? And so um, that took me over back, which you brought up Colossians 3 in your sermon. Um, But the whole putting to death and then putting on, mm-hmm. um, but three, so Colossians 3, 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above and not things that are on earth for you've died and your life is hidden with God. So we're setting our hearts, we're setting our minds yeah. on things above. And that's a, that's a daily practice. Mm. And that's where that sanctification process that's right. comes into play. And it's the awareness of Christ. I mean, Galatians chapter 3, verse 3, Oh, foolish Galatians, are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected yeah. by the flesh? Referring to them slipping back into law-based thinking. It's like, why would you do that? Why? Why, yeah. why would you? Yeah. Going back to, Galatians, yeah. to Colossians 3 yeah. uh, that Alicia brought up, and down later in verse 9 and 10, Paul writes, uh, do not lie to one another. Hmm. Well, obviously we can, so he's yeah. telling us not to do it. But he, here, here's the reason. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practice and you've put on the new self um, who is being renewed uh, to true knowledge according to the image of the... So you've already put, taken off the old. John Morrison brought this out in his uh, sermons in, in Ephesians this summer. Really uh, well done there in Ephesians uh, chapter 4. We didn't learn Christ this way, knowing that we have put off the old and we have already put mm-hmm. on the new. Therefore, you know, live accordingly. Right. So I think what Paul is trying to do in that Romans six passage is again, not to show um, the not not to show the impossibility that true born again Christians um, would would live a life of of sin, persist in sin. He, what he's doing is, is showing the absurdity. Mm-hmm. It's totally incongruent with how we, and he raises, this is totally unnecessary. It's mm-hmm. absurd, but it can happen. Right. And, 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 and we have to be careful because there's a whole type of theology out there that would indicate, and you I- are saved. That's yeah. right. And I, yeah. I think I shared in one of the services that most of the commentaries I have on Romans takes that position. Hmm. That um, yeah, you, you, well, this this is an indicator. True Christians, real Christianity, will not persist in sin, because how how shall we who've died to sin persist in it? So therefore, a real Christian. So so then they label someone who is struggling or persisting mm-hmm. in sin. Well, they never were saved to begin with. Based on what their outward performance. Right. Look, our salvation is based on the Slips back into work. Christ. But, it, it wouldn't wouldn't that argument, Pastor Mark, suggest that Paul has become this this probing parole officer of sorts, reaching out to the church, trying to figure out who is or isn't saved, versus yeah, right. what it truly it's speaking to discipleship relationship, the importance of of equipping well, a church. What? Yeah. Sadly, you know, pastors or, or church leaders oftentimes become fruit inspectors. What kind of fruit you got? 
Ooh, yeah. that 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 doesn't look like real godly fruit. Yeah. Oh, boy, you've been acting that way for ever since I've known you. You must not be a real Christian. We we're fruit inspectors, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. So in my um, in my daily Bible reading plan, I'm going through the Bible chronologically, and mm. so today this really jumped out at me, and it, it's it's so cool because it totally ties in with all of this. So um, in Second Kings. 25, their King Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, Jehoiachin, Jehoiakim was the one that was before. Beats me. <coughs> yeah. So Call him King Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would so, too if he, so, if he messed <laughs> up his name. King Jehoiachin. So we'll call him Chin. So he was, he was king of, of Judah for just three months, and then Babylon comes in. He immediately gives himself up. They take him off to jail, make him prisoner in Babylon, and um, they take vessels out of the temple and destroy stuff and all of that. Well, King Nebuchadnezzar, at the time, he dies, okay? And then this new king, evil Merodach. 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 I don't know. I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be back in five minutes. He has a really rough name, but evil Merodach or however you say that. He becomes the king of Babylon. Now, keep in mind, Jehoiakim, Chim, Chin, who was king of Judah, he wasn't so great, and he was an enemy of Babylon. And here's, here's the result. When evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, he graciously freed Jehoiachin, king of Judah from prison, and he spoke kindly to him, and he gave him a seat above the seats of the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin put off his prison garments, and every day of his life he dined regularly at the king's table, and for his allowance, a regular allowance was given by him, the king, according to his daily needs, as long as he lived. So this is what God does for us. We're enemies, and he has uh, graciously freed us. He hmm. has been nothing but kind to us. He seated us above the other seats. He has taken our prison garments, clothed us in this righteousness. He, we get to dine at his table, and he, just like uh, Jehoiachin got a daily allowance, God provides for all of our needs. So I just, I hmm. love how God's word, he, how he brings these treasures and he's like, oh, here's one for you today. And just how well that ties in to what we're talking about the, here in Romans. Our, our true position. And that's what we are talking about, our position in Christ, how God sees us, not so much of our condition. And it's difficult. You, know, you take that analogy, uh, Alicia, with what you with just just read. But those are tangible things. Jehoiachin could, I mean, it was food he could eat. It was clothes he could wear. It was you know, an experience that was real. As believers in Jesus Christ, I think that's what makes this difficult, and we've got to keep working at this, mm-hmm. even as we teach it, is, all right, I read, I see that, okay, I'm in, I'm in the in Christ circle, right? And then we go back to life, and you know the our, our our fourth child in diapers continues to, you know, cause us pull our hair out or, or you know our, little Nebuchadnezzar. My job, yeah, my yeah. job yeah. is not this or COVID is that, and uh, you know. So when push comes to shove, 
it's easy then to set this stuff aside as mere pious platitudes. And, and again, we, I think we've said it many times here on, on Sermon Spotlight, that's when we have to allow, okay, Holy Spirit, mm. make this yeah. live. This is the living yeah. Word of God. Make it live to me. Yeah. And we go before the Lord on our, on our face if we have to, but this has got to be real to me. And, yeah. and, and then you'll be reading like you did, and all of a sudden, boom. There's, and, and that's one way he makes it real. Yeah. He's, 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 he's a good God. He mm. is good, mm. yeah. Pastor Mark, I had another question for you. You used a couple analogies uh, this weekend to describe our, our position in, in Christ, one of which was you, you put your clicker in the Bible, and you mm. were moving around the Bible, and the other one was a dead car battery being brought to life. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, I was scared that when you were waving around your Bible, the clicker was actually going to fall out of your Bible. <laughs> and I was like, that wouldn't, that wouldn't look super good if that were to happen. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is, okay, the analogy of the dead car battery, could it die again? Or could the clicker fall out of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Almost addressing what we talked about a few minutes ago, the eternal security. Is that where the analogy would fall flat, theoretically? Yeah, I mean, yeah. illustrations and analogies are right. only they're, as good as the immediate thing you're talking a about. a limited thing, yeah. Although I did hang on to my Bible. Super because, tight. I, I could tell. So I, I'm sitting front right, you know, and I'm in the spit zone. Yeah. So I see your white knuckle in that thing. Yeah. I'm like, man, I hope that clicker Of course, you are sitting fall in out. the white zone, the front yeah. zone. So if yeah. it would have fallen, I, I would have said, there goes Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. But, but yeah, yeah you, you, okay, right, right. Illustrations, right. analogies, are... but that's what well people will think. Okay, you're in Christ, but let's make sure you stay there, and yeah. you don't lose your salvation or whatever it might yeah. be, which is just heartbreaking. Well, going back to that analogy with the I, one of the services I used a pen. Okay, but joking, I said I'm, I was holding it tight. Well, guess what God does? Hmm. You know, John ten. Talk, he holds us tight. He, and and <laughs> nothing will snatch him out of our hand. Of course, someone says, well, I can jump out of his hand. Well, if you can jump out of God's hand, then you've just said you're bigger than God. So, yeah, I think uh, um, even with mm. that analogy, I'm yeah. holding that tight so that right. that, that would look kind of silly if it would have dropped out of my Bible. You'd have to yeah, kind of be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and God does that. You know, quite frankly, God would look pretty silly. Mm. If someone that he has called, you know, set apart sure. uh, and, and saved all by his work, <laughs> slipped out of his hand or, or, or lost their salvation. Or a loose it, grip. It, yeah. would, it would look bad on God. Mm. And um, it's good. So yeah. we're, we're, it's good. we are saved eternally. Yeah. And Second Peter uh, 3, uh, 13 through 18. Well, actually, all of chapter 3 is talking about the day of the Lord coming, which mm. is something that we, we now are looking forward to. We're in this process of sanctification and there is a day coming that we will mm. be fully raised and with Christ. Um, but I thought that Simon Peter did really summed this up well, starting in verse 13, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, yes there are, (laughs) which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do their other, other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be both now, glory both now and the day 
of eternity. Amen. Hmm. And so as we're waiting, we're growing, and we're waiting, and we're growing, just anticipating that day. Yeah. And and you used a term, I think, earlier that uh, of, of progressively doing so. And that, that's the ideal, that we would progressively be more and more sanctified. It doesn't always happen that way. I mean, the, some of the people in the Corinthian church, they, they got sick and, and died. God mm. prematurely took them out. Yeah. But that is, I, when I was in high school, I read a book by um, uh, this author, Watchman Nee, a Chinese believer, and it was called The Normal Christian Life. I'll never forget it. It, was, it had a profound impact on me as a mm. high school kid. But that's what he was talking about. What should be the norm? If this is true, what we've studied in Romans 6 and we'll continue to study, what, what should be the normal? Paul said, how should we have died to sin and continue to live in it? That's not normal. That's right. an absurdity. Right. So it's learning what our new normal is and then progressing in that, growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that th th this world is coming to an end yeah. and we will stand and give an account. So let's press on. Let's, uh, writer of Hebrews says, let's run the race endurance. Yes, there will be difficulties. Romans 7, we'll get to it. The good I want to do, I don't do. I do the very thing I hate, a wretched man that I am. But then we come into Romans uh, chapter 8, and wow, we've got the power of the Holy Spirit, and we're mm -hmm. back on track again. Yeah. How shall we have died to sin? And Paul will add, and full of the Holy Spirit, and begin everything we need for life and godliness? Mm -hmm. how, how, why would we persist in it? So he'll say in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, I think it is, so mortify the flesh. Right. Put it to death, yeah. because that is not, king's sin does not reign. Mm -hmm. That's our new identity. And our, our new normal is something extraordinary which is just hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. And, and you want to, to put your identity in something else or think there's a lie going around. I saw it all the time in college. Man is inherently good, so mm. we're all going to love each other and do what we can by each other and whatever you think of God is fine. Instead of being aware, and you had mentioned this in your sermon, we're all born with an identity crisis. Yeah. If you think it's hitting now, it hit way back when. Yeah. So to, to be born into Adam and what that actually means for us. And, and that perspective... It leads to self-denial and some humility, but it also puts you in a biblical frame of reference for, mm -hmm. for who you were and who you are yeah. and who you can be in Christ. Yeah. And so next Sunday we begin with verse 6 that says, awesome. knowing this, that, so again, so we're good. coming back, yeah. let's, and we let's need, know. Like, we need one another to help remind us. It's really simply being in God's Word and praying hmm. and worshiping and the encouragement of other believers that really can help us in this process. And we can walk in the Spirit hand in hand with our brothers and sisters in Christ together and reminding one, each, one another of these things that we just forget. Yeah. Hmm. When a lot of people think they want an accountability partner, but what they tend to want is just a hype man, affirm me in whatever I'm doing. Instead of telling me something I might not want to hear, mm. pointing me to Scripture, getting you to think think biblically about what is happening, Yeah, right. no yeah. matter what, yeah. um, which is really cool. Um, all right, so what do we need to point people towards? Mark Francis in here. I normally go straight to him if there's announcements. I know we have the 40th coming up Sunday, September 6th, 10 a.m. Outside. Outside. Outside service. Donut truck, food trucks, food at a discount, all that good stuff. Yeah. And, you know, if, if the weather is inclement and it rains, then we'll wait and do it the following week. Oh, is that for, oh, oh, for okay. sure? Okay. I didn't know what the weather plan was. <laughs> Did I, you just make that up? You know, no, I mean, hey, whatever. I, I feel, didn't know. I just didn't know. I feel the power of the word. <laughs> He's making it up as we go. Uh, okay. No, no, that's what I, we we talked about this morning at a worship okay. meeting. All so, right. so you're you're authorized to say that, Pastor. Mark. I'm the authorized version. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Um, 
Cool. Well, thank you guys. As a reminder to our listeners, oh, you can oh, find us. Well, yeah, before yeah. you remind yeah. them, yeah. Um, uh, and this Sunday starts um, children's ministry. Oh, that's uh, right. Back thank up you. again. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, everybody six, graduates. Uh, yes, move up Sunday. Yep. Oh, uh, I tell you, my little uh, little six year old granddaughter Olivia. Oh, she was so excited because she gets to move up to first grade. And she is just that's huge. Oh, she's so excited. welcome to the big leagues. Yes, yeah. right. Fun. That's right. Yeah, that's fun. So kids ministry starting up, and we are looking to start some uh, Sunday school for youth group the following Sunday. It's kind of we're you know slowly unveiling all of that again after quarantine. So look forward to that. Again, you can go to our website, fbcva.life, to find all the other good stuff in the Fellowship Family Facebook page. Uh, The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love and God bless. Mm